other brother, sister, while my brother sits on the front row. (laughs) My wife is back there. My kids are back there. Real easy to preach those kind of things when I haven't had to sacrifice those things. But the Apostle Paul gets up and speaks and says, I lived it, and I'm living it, and I will die it. I don't know about you guys, it makes me want to read the epistles again. I want to read what this guy said. His life was a screaming testimony of the grace of God. I want a life like this. I want to look like this. All of us want a life like this until we realize that it means what? Pain and suffering. All of you want to be like the Apostle Paul. Who wants to be like the Apostle Paul? There's a couple in, the hand, in here. Until we hit those suffering moments. And then we'd say, no, I'd rather be like Eutychus. (laughs) Just give me hope. Why is it that elders of church appear to be totally broken? Well, because the Apostle Paul was their friend. He was their shepherd. He loved them. They would lay down their lives for him because he laid down his life for them. I think this is what distinguishes shepherds and just preachers. Shepherds cry with their sheep. Shepherds lay down their life for their sheep. And again... Right now, I'm preaching to you. I'm thinking, I'm sorry you have me as your shepherd. I have so far to go. By the grace of God, we will become more like him. I couldn't make this farewell exhortation right now. I couldn't say these words. I'm humbled by these words. Can anybody else say these words? Have we loved anybody like this? So if we say I and me and my, we can't speak. (laughs) But at the same time, we need to be encouraged. We need to know that as I walked up here and as I give you the word... The only way it's going to work anyway is if the grace of God is upon me. If the Holy Spirit works within me. And I want to be a a husband that loves my wife like Christ loves the church. And all men in the room say, I want to shepherd my children as God shepherds me. How does that happen? Grace. I need God's grace. We need God's grace, don't we? Are you excited? You ready to look at this character sketch and know this man a little bit more?
we're going to get a glimpse of what the grace of God can do in people who are submitted to the Lord. We're going to see five roles the apostle Paul five roles of the apostle Paul that we should all seek to emulate. Now again, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to get through all five and you're going to be okay. Sometimes when a pastor says he has seven points, everybody in the room goes, you haven't even started point one. Well, we're in trouble. Uh, no, I'll, I'll try to be a kind shepherd. We're not going to do all five today. But I want you to be thinking on them. First, Paul was a slave of the Lord. Second, Paul was a shepherd of people. Third, Paul was a subject of suffering. Fourth, Paul was a signal of evil. And fifth, Paul was a sample of sacrifice. Let's start with, Paul was a slave of the Lord. Look back in verse 18 and 19. You see the introduction, the beginning of what he says to them. It says in verse 18, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord. That's the key little phrase that I'm focused on first. Serving the Lord. What do slaves of the Lord do? Simple. They serve the Lord. That's exactly what Paul does. The word Paul used to describe his role in verse 19 is serving the Lord. The word serve here is the verb form of slave. Not, not just the normal service word, but in, in the, di- the, the word that we talked about with deacon, it's a different word. It's the Greek word that emphasizes doing a slave's duty. So you could literally translate this, behaving or living as one in total service to the Lord. Or the one who completes the duties of a slave, the one who serves his master faithfully, the one who obeys the Lord's voice. That's what Paul was all about. He was about obedience. In our society, obedience is a dirty word, isn't it? But not for the Apostle Paul. He obeyed with joy. And he was serving, obeying the Lord. He was a slave of the Lord. This is what we all want to be. This is all who we are, whether we acknowledge it or not. All of you who have repented and believed in Jesus, you are a slave of the King. You are slave of Jesus. But Paul was a obedient slave of the Lord. Notice all the features of this slave. Let's take some time and unfold it. He was a slave of the Lord. A slave of the Lord serves continuously. Notice it says in verse 18, You yourselves know from the first day I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord. Again, his emphasis here, from the very first moment that I walked in to Ephesus, when I met you, That whole time I was all in. I was committed to you. Serving the Lord with all that I am continuously. 
Paul was definitely not a Sunday morning only Christian. He was an all the time Christian. He was an all the time slave. Paul was constantly serving people. Again, when we hear phrases like this, from the first day I walked into your town, I served you. I served the Lord and I ultimately was serving you. What goes through your mind? When I read passages like this, this is where conviction sets in. How many of you could say that you characterize yourself as serving the Lord all the time, continuously? Anybody in here as convicted as I am when I read these things? As a general pattern of my life, a direction of my life, absolutely. But I'm always wanting to put that little caution on there. Anybody else like that? When I come up and talk to you and say, hey, how are you doing? Are you serving the Lord? There's always the, yeah, most of the time. Or the, yeah, but, right? I would have a hard time writing a phrase like this, wouldn't you? From the moment I walked into Tampa, I had you on my mind. I was going to serve you. From the moment I walked on the campus today, I had you all on my mind. How can he say these things? I think his understanding of the glory of Christ was so big and so real in his life that all he saw was service, and it was good. What do we need? I need more of Christ. I need more of the Christ that he had firmly fixed in his eyes. Don't you? He was faithful to the Lord, and he served. He never quit on ministry. Anybody in here quit on your job? And yet you're still working there? (laughs) How many times in your mind have you quit on your job? In the last week, I mean. (laughs) Anybody quit on your job before? Quit on your family. I've had enough. Think that before? Quit on your church? Hopefully not. I guarantee you, you hang around us long enough, you'll want to. Because we're humans, aren't we? Paul says, from the first day I set foot into your city, I am all about the Lord. Which meant all about you. I'm going to serve you. How could he do this? He did it, simple, yet profound. He served people because he was ultimately serving the Lord. See, this is where we always get it mixed up. This is where the mom in the room is struggling, serving their child. Man, you never say thank you. I wash these dishes and I do all your clothes and then you argue with me. You don't show me any respect. Don't I deserve just a shred of respect? The moments we start asking those questions is the moment we're ready for a fall. Why? Not because kids shouldn't respect their parents because they're supposed to. 
problem is, is that our primary motivation isn't serving the Lord. It's our primary motivation is what? Affirmation, the people we're talking to, success, having the best house in the land. And this goes to everything, guys. I'm not just speaking on the ladies. So think about this. This is our jobs, isn't it? What if your boss doesn't say, good job? What do you do? You quit, right? You find a job that somebody will tell you you're doing a good job. Or at least give me a raise. The Apostle Paul doesn't work this way. Why didn't he work this way? Because he was serving the Lord as he served other people. I want to be like this. Do you want to be like this? Notice second, a slave of the Lord serves wholeheartedly. In verse 9, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. <clears throat> the words with humility and with tears and with trial just show how committed Paul was to the Lord and to making of disciples in Ephesus. Again, we're convicted, aren't we? Is our commitment to serve this committed? Often when tears arrive, that means what? Bail. <laughs> Or if humility is required, no way. I don't have to be humble, do I? Yes. But this is what serving wholeheartedly looks like. We give out our excuses. It's almost like when we give. Our giving, especially, and again, take it for what it is. I'm not preaching to try to make you give. I'm trying to get us to look at our hearts, right? When we give... Do we ever give where it hurts? Do we ever, does anybody ever give to the place that we actually have to go without something we want or need? When was the last time you cried writing a, an offering check? None of us, have we? I mean, I admit... Even your pastor, so don't think I'm judging you. I never, I've, I've never gone without anything I needed for you. I haven't really of depth. Nothing that made me cry. Now, granted, there have been other circumstances before this church where I've cried. <laughs> Not this church, though. Praise God. <laughs> Way to go, God, right? But the church in Ephesus was an amazing church. Most people, most scholars say that Ephesus was the church of the New Testament, surpassing Antioch because of the letters and things that were said about it. It's an amazing church. And yet, what did it cost him? Wholehearted commitment. 
humility and tears and trials. I want a church like that. How about you? You want a church like that? Ooh, I say that with a little shudder. <laughs> I want a church like that, but uh, make, it, make it light on the suffering. Please don't have anybody come up to me after this service and yell at me. I just want you all to all agree. Everybody, will you promise me you'll agree? No. I want a church committed to Christ. I want a church that loves Christ with all that they are. And if that means pain, then by the grace of God, that's what we will do. Wholehearted service, commitment. A slave also serves humbly. Again, I'm shocked by this. This is... Only two places in the Bible that I know that a person says about themselves that they're humble. There's one other. Moses, right in the Pentateuch, says Moses was the most humble man. <laughs> How could Moses write that? How could he write that? How could Paul write this? He served with all humility. Again, because he did it. <laughs> because he completely was dependent upon the Lord. Because he came to the awareness, not perfectly. You know, he wasn't a perfect man. But he came to an awareness that he could do nothing apart from God. And he knew that humility was the only place where grace is found. <laughs> So to say no to me is the safest spot. So to be humble is what we do. Paul knew God was God and he was not. Paul understood this. He saw his sovereign direction through all events. He saw it lived out. And by the way, he didn't just read it. He lived it. This is where I think... Uh, we've talked about cage Calvinists and people that just are all about the sovereignty of God and they talk about it and they can defend it backwards and forwards. You know what? You really want to say that you believe in the sovereignty of God, that's when you suffer. When you come to the realization that you do not control your child's salvation... When you come to the understanding that I can't make my children be believers. When you come to the awareness that people that you dearly love might not be with Him. When you live it, what do you do then? You fall on your face 
When you say, God, take me, you are God and I am not. And I will trust you. I will trust you. That time when I went through with Luke, facing the very real possibility of Luke Sprott dying, gripped my soul. I will never forget the moment walking around the block. Begging him, please don't take my child. But then opening the hands and saying, not my will, but your will be done. You are God and I am not. And the amazing thing is, is beloved, I still don't think I could write anything close to what the Apostle Paul did. My faith is a shrimp compared to his. I believe, help my unbelief, right? I want to be like this man. I don't always want to go through the pain that this man went through, but I want to be like this man. With all humility. He had no room for pride, for God had taken all that from him. All that he counted valuable in his life. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Counted righteous by everyone. Imagine, he was trained by Gamaliel, the top Jew. He was it when it comes to religion. This one, this guy is righteous. What's he consider that? Dumb, nothing, useless, garbage. A man that came to the end of himself. Beloved, is that you? Have you come to the end of yourself? <laughs> I guess the better question is, is, how often have you come to the end of yourself? For you believers out there, do you understand that this isn't an arrival thing? Where, oh yeah, I arrived. I'm at the end of myself. Do you understand that you come to this place all the time? Every day? Every time we sin, we come to this place, don't we? It's painful, isn't it? I want to be like this man. Oh, God, help me. Fourth, the slave of the Lord serves painfully. Serving the Lord with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Serving the Lord meant pain for Paul. 
Pain from killing sin daily. Pain from enemies of Christ. And pain from immature sheep that were biting him. This is clear. Walking with Jesus is never painless. At this point, there might be an unbeliever here, somebody that hasn't embraced Christ, and you're thinking to yourself, well, what in the world would I want to be a Christian for? I mean, I get plenty of pain in this world anyway. What in the world do I sign up for this pain? Who wants to sign up for some more pain? Listen to me closely. The pain is worth it. The pain is good pain. For pain in Christ exalts our loving God who saved us. God doesn't waste pain. God uses pain in our life to help us exalt Christ. And then one day we can say these kind of things. And God gets all the... Can you imagine if we could just think of our pain this way? this man it's worth it friends let me tell you something a thousand years from now we are not going to say man that pain we experienced that was a useless thing a thousand years from now we're all going to go wow that moment I got to glorify you Lord through pain See, when we're fully in glory and all we see is His glory, all of us are going to go, oh, I wish I wouldn't have missed that one point when I could have really glorified you through that pain. For the more we know the glory of the Lamb, the more we want our life to reflect His glory. The Apostle Paul got it. He knew it. He knew his Savior died for him. The Christian killer. And that made the pain worth it. Friends, I know some of you in this room are hurting right now. And I can't say... I completely get it, and I understand. I can't say I've been in your shoes. I can't say that. I don't. You know what your pain is. 
It could be anything from being single, not being able to, God hadn't given you a, a spouse yet, or not having a child, or have lost a child, having a difficulty in a marriage. Let me tell you, we have one who loves you. And he died for you to take your punishment. And one day, you are going to be with him in glory forever and ever and ever. And there will be no more pain. And there will be no more tears. And we will live with him in perfect joy forever and ever and ever and ever. Take this moment. Use it for the glory of your king. You won't look back and say, I missed the opportunity. You will honor him as he deserves to be honored. And you'll be able to say things like this one day. Pain's not a waste. It's worth it. Finally, we see a slave of the Lord serves transparently. Transparently. Notice the first phrase is typical of the whole farewell address and the whole thing read through it you would see it's as if Paul says look at me and it hasn't changed because from the very beginning you yourselves know from the first day I set foot in Asia that's one sentence still going how I was with you the whole time still going serving the Lord with all humility with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of Jews the Apostle Paul was a man of tears. Does that sound familiar? A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He mentions tears twice in this. In our culture, in our society, that would be crazy. You men aren't supposed to cry. Stop crying, man up. Do you think the you think the elders at the end were questioning him a little bit? Hey, you're not much of a man. I saw a bunch of tears from you. No, I think they got it. You know how I know? Because they wept. They wept like babies, it appears. Real men cry. Oh no, real men cry. <clears throat> you say, what if I don't cry? Well, don't fabricate it, whatever you do. But is it possible? Not saying this is always, but is it possible that we're not letting things really penetrate our heart? Is it possible? Not saying always. But is it possible 
that we keep everybody in arm's length away from us so that nothing really gets close enough to hurt us. Is it possible? We never get close enough for somebody to actually hurt us. And so we don't cry. Again, I am not talking about this whiny stuff, complaining and crying over things that we shouldn't be crying over. You understand that, right? You don't cry if you get a $100 bill in the mail. The government asks for an extra $100 in taxes. Oh, no! What am I going to do? That would be a little bit too much, right? Or we don't cry if somebody at our workplace comes up and says, you know, I really don't like you. <laughs> Why? I'm talking about real pain. Pain when you realize the glory of God has been defamed. Pain when you realize that the king of kings has not got the honor that he deserves. Pain when you see a brother or sister, professing brother or sister, walk away from the faith. Oh, Father. Give us this kind of heart, right? To summarize, Paul was a slave of the Lord who served continuously, wholeheartedly, humbly, painfully, and transparently. It was all out there. What do we know about slaves? I'm not talking about slaves of the 1700s and 1800s in America that were wickedly taken from Africa and mistreated because of their race. That's an abomination. Rather, I'm talking about biblical slaves. What do we know about biblical slaves? Well, we know this. Being a slave could be physically and mentally painful. Being a slave could cause you to have marks of your master. You could get disciplined. Being a slave... The people were often humiliated and humbled to the end of themselves. Being a slave often gave everything. They gave everything they had all the time in service to their master. Being a slave meant you didn't get vacations. Being a slave meant you served continuously. You woke up serving the master. You laid your head serving on the pillow, serving the master. You served the master. That's what it meant to be a slave. And this is what Paul says he did. He did the work of a slave for the Lord all the time with humility, tears, and trials. Paul knew what it meant to be a slave of Christ, and he did it. 
He served continuously. He served wholeheartedly. He served humbly. He served sacrificially. And he served with pain. And he served transparently. And why did he do it? Because he knew his Lord. He knew his Master. Look at verse 24. This is an amazing verse. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish the course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Why did he serve this way? Why was he a slave like this? Why did he accept this? Why did he wholeheartedly commit to God and to people? Because he didn't consider himself, his own life, worthy of account as dear to myself. Why? That he could serve the Lord Jesus. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Our problem with serving people is our view of the Lord is too small. Our problem with sacrificing for others is our understanding of the Lord is too small. Paul knew God. Paul knew his sinfulness. And he knew what Christ did to pay for his sinfulness. Serving the master is not hard for those who understand how much the master served us. Do you know how much he served you? Today is the day for us to meditate and embrace that truth and think on who he is and what he's done for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your kindness towards us in Christ. Father, we pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know this loving master, we pray that you will save them, cause them to see their sin, and cause them to turn from their sin and embrace you. Oh, Father, for all of us in the room that call you our Father and Lord, we ask that you help us to know your glory more. Help us to know our sin and our need of you and help us to turn to you and trust you and know the joy and the salve of your forgiveness. For as we know you have forgiven us much, we are ready to serve you and your people. Oh, help us, Lord. Know you more and serve you faithfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.